Dear listeners, it's started. Welcome to Here's Good News Season 2, and thank you for your loyalty and following the podcast's journey. To kick off Season 2, Episode 16 is the added format called Real Raw, and on this show, we talk tech. Well, the interesting thing is the phenomena of this going from automation, computers, and the digital revolution, which was Industry 3.0, to Industry 4.0, it's still technology. It's an evolution. It's a pivot of technology. I mean, that really speaks to the power of technology. Throughout those four phases, that pace of change has gotten ever more faster. The pace of technology, in my opinion, is not accelerating. The development is reliant on Moore's law. It's a very well-known law. You know, the number of transistors are going to double every two years, while their cost to manufacture is going to half. Well, we are certainly in for a debate. My guests, Basil Ayas, Shams Hassan, and I talk all things cloud, blockchain, and more. I'm your host, Tarek Azmi, ex-corporate grinder, now turned serial entrepreneur, founder of Here's Good News. And my mission is to transform individuals into extraordinary versions of themselves. Here's Good News company is dedicated to leadership development, coaching, personal training, and nutrition. Resources designed to guide you through your transformative journey. On this show, I speak to entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs alike. My guests and I share valuable lessons to motivate and drive you to take action, perhaps towards living your dream or building a strong team or solving for a problem to improve lives. Subscribe to always get Here's Good News first and benefit from a courtesy, no commitment discovery call. At the top of the show, Shams and Basil were answering my question on whether technology development accelerated over the past few years or if the pace has been constant. I'll let my guests introduce themselves before moving on. Starting with Shams Hassan, followed by Basil Ayas. I was always a geek, you know, since childhood. From my university times, I was always mucking around with the computers and that really led me into uh, my career which is specifically in, te- in the technology space. I've been on all sides of the spectrum when it comes to the space of digital. I've been a customer uh, implementing digital technologies in nonprofit organizations, and I've been a vendor. Uh, I've been very fortunate uh, to be, you know, to have worked at Dell Technologies, a Fortune 50 company in some of its most interesting times. Uh, and most recently, what I am doing is really going back to my roots I've had quite a few startup experiences, again, in digital uh, technology solutions. And now I'm basically in a really hot emerging space of blockchain advisory and consultancy. Uh, So that's what we do right now. I think what makes me tick and what makes me really want to get up in the morning and focus is not just technology. Technology is boring in itself. I think what makes me interested in working on things is the impact that that technology has on you know people, on consumers, on the economy, on businesses. That's really what drives me. Thank you so much. Basil, the floor is yours. My name is Basil Ayas. The most succinct way I've been able to describe myself is that I'm an extroverted nerd. So I share that geekiness with Shams. I'm a computer and communications engineer by education, but I very quickly found out 
when I went out into the real world and started working behind a computer, uh, that I cannot survive without being out in public with people, with customers. Connected to what Shams mentioned around you know, how technology can shape and drive uh, our culture, our business, and our transformations. So I very quickly realized that, no, I'm not going to spend my life being a very technical nerd. So I became extroverted, and I started selling technology. So over the past 20 years or so, I've been marketing and selling technologies for companies like Dell, Google, EMC, VMware, and I'm super excited to be here, Ty. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, Basil and Shams. It's great to have you on the show. And I want to start by saying that I always felt growing up that I would be able to keep up with the pace of technology. And I feel that perhaps over the past 10 years specifically, evolution and the growth of technology has taken bounds and leaps and has been faster than ever before. What are your thoughts on that? When I look at, for example, industrial revolutions, first to the second, what really was the driving force? And then when you look at the second to the third, we basically transitioned into technology. I mean, our industry is such a beautiful industry. It got its own category of industrial revolution. But the interesting thing is the phenomena of this going from automation, computers, and the digital revolution, which was industry 3.0, to industry 4.0, it's still technology. It's an evolution. It's a pivot of technology. I mean, that really speaks to the power of technology. Throughout those four phases, that pace of change has gotten ever more faster. I, li I like Shams's introduction around the Industrial Revolution. So if you look at the first Industrial Revolution, steam and the steam engine, uh, that really came about 1700s. And, then we, and that was really tied to coal and the way we can mass mine coal from the earth. In the 1800s, electricity came about. And that really drove the combustion engine. And that's the second revolution, right? The third revolution, some people link it to nuclear energy, but I like to think of it as electronics. You know, the, the way that electronics came in, uh, and not only consumer electronics, but, but also commercial electronics, right? Now, fourth revolution, people are saying it's the internet. It's the cloud. It's the connectivity. It's the global, you know, way that we are all now connected instantly through WhatsApp, through Messenger, but not only that, through IoT and through AI. The pace of technology, in my opinion, is not accelerating. The development is reliant on Moore's law. It's a very well-known law. You know, the number of transistors are going to double every two years while their cost to manufacture is going to half. And that law, if you plot over the past 100 years, it's almost a straight line. It's been really consistent. Now, why most humans feel that technology development has accelerated is a internal bias, right? Because today, either you're getting old, Tarek, and you can't keep up anymore as much as you used to in your early days, or the fact that we live in this world and we are experiencing you know, the development of Google Photos, you know, Google Photos was one of my big eureka moments when I first downloaded it and uploaded my photos. I was like, oh my God, AI is here. For the first time ever, I really felt AI. It was a personal experience because AI was able to identify my baby photos, my teenage photos, and my adult photos. And it knew that this was me. This was Basel growing up. 
And that to me really brought that concept into my head. Because we're living in today's world, we feel that technology is advancing a lot. So it's a, it's a bias because of the, our times. Uh, but if you look at it scientifically, technology has been on a very constant rise through the ages, according to Moore's law. And thank you, Basil, for the very subtle this about me growing uh, old and not paying attention to certain things. I tend to agree as well. If there is interest and you're living it and you're seeing it on a daily basis, then perhaps it will feel that it's a normal pace. Whereas if you're outside of it and all of a sudden you see something happening, then the jump from what you knew before to where you are now is tremendous. And uh, we've touched on AI. And the thing that is fresh in my mind is with the situation with Tesla, the accident that uh, happened, uh, the car that crashed and, and burned with uh, a couple of passengers on board. And the whole question was around the self-driving uh, mechanism, the AI that is, that is around that. And generally, the question that I ask people is about AI specifically. Are you in the mindset of bring it on or, oh my goodness, we're playing God this is scary. So where do you stand on that? No, I'm absolutely bring it on. I think even if you were attempting to slow it down, you'd fail. Today, the tools of AI have been democratized. Anybody with access to the internet can have access to machine learning algorithms and can write the next AI program. I think movies and TV has really skewed a lot of people's opinions. For the sake of entertainment, AI has always been cast as like the evil, uh, you know, uh, the computer is going to take over the world. It's the Terminator. World War III scenario. Terminator. It really has set this, like it has made society's perception of technology so biased towards one end. Uh, but today AI is being used in a multitude of, solutions that you're not even aware of. You know, like something as simple as Siri or Alexa or Google Assistant. You know, that is a whole host of AI in the background trying to make your life easier. In, in manufacturing, AI is being used to increase efficiencies, decrease costs, and virtually eliminate bad manufacturing. So AI has a bright future. We have regulatory bodies. We have governments that are regulating its development and its commercialization. And as long as we follow those regulations, it will continue to make our lives easier. I think you have a biased panel here, Dan, because I'm of the same, bring it on 100%. <laughs> I suppose you're right. I think there are huge benefits in robotizing certain functions. And I have to say, wow, from the industrial revolution to AI, the world has certainly changed. And now, what are people talking about in tech? People talk about quantum computing. People talk about blockchain. I mean, that's the industry that I'm in, for, for example, right now. There's so much that is happening. And I always like to look at not just each of these in isolation, but I like to look at, you know, the union of, or the stitching together of all of these different technologies. Yes, of course. And that comes back to the impact that they can have as a single invention or a culmination of how they come together. And Shams, your industry is blockchain. Basil, you're more on the AI cloud end of the tech world. Cloud computing and quantum computing, those are two different things. Could you please demystify all of this for the non-techie? 
AI, artificial intelligence, in the simplest sense, is when a machine, today we call them computers, acts and makes decisions like mimicking a human. There are multiple ways to do that, of course. There's AI in the most general sense, and then we, we really boil it down to machine learning. And machine learning is something that has recently come up, because in the past, computers existed, but it required programmers to go in and program the computer and saying, to do additions, one plus one equals two. We taught the computer the process of thinking to come up with the answer. Machine learning flips that equation all the way around. And what we do is very simple. As programmers, we go to the computer and say, I'm not going to teach you what a car looks like or what Tariq looks like. I'm going to give you a billion examples. And I'm going to tell you which ones are Tariq and which ones are not. And I'm going to give you this information. And I'm going to give you the answer, not the process to reach the answer. And guess what? With time, if you have enough compute power and enough storage power and very fast network, the computer will then be able to identify Tariq, even in new pictures that it has never seen before. So that is where cloud computing comes into play. And what is cloud computing is the fact that I don't have enough CPU memory disk on my phone or on my computer or even in my company's high-performance cluster, or even in my research lab's supercomputer, because nobody has enough compute power. So what we do is we go to cloud computing providers. Those are companies specialized in building these mega scalable computers, and we share them. We share them with all the customers that are interested to get access to this cloud computing. And that's how you could get access instead of to one CPU, two CPUs, in best cases, you know, 64, 128 CPUs. Oh, you go to the cloud and you can get hundreds of thousands of CPUs. And you'll only need them for a few minutes to run your machine learning algorithm. You'll get the answer, you'll get the program, and then you shut them off and somebody else comes in and uses them. And that is an amazing description. Thank you so much, Vasset, for sharing that. And as you are speaking, it made me think that AI is much less the robot that is asked to do the typical Fordism chain work, basically, of doing that one movement of tightening the bolt, and then all of a sudden using that wrench to rebel against the humans and, and have a mind of their own. So it's much less that, and a lot more. You have purchased uh, The Science of Getting Rich, and because you've purchased that book, you are going to like XYZ because uh, 35,000 people in the world who have chosen that have also chosen this in addition to it. So it's a lot more this than the, the rebellion of the machine against uh, the human race. It's very interesting that the human brain, in fact, operates similarly to that description that you've mentioned. So it's an aggregation of experience. And this is how our brain works. We, we tend to want to believe that our brain is a, is a thinking machine. In fact, no, it's not a thinking machine. It's a reminiscing machine. The first impulse that we get is based on the experience that we have lived. So with everything that we go through, the brain scours inside the long-term and the short-term memory to find what is something that I have lived that is similar to this. And therefore, this is the action that you need to do. Multiplied by millions on a... It's not opposite spectrum, but in your world, champs, we're talking blockchain and we're talking quantum computing as well. So 
complete the idea, the picture here of what are those two worlds and what is happening within them? Um, a lot of people think of blockchain and they think um, Bitcoin. Blockchain is not Bitcoin, all right? Blockchain is just a technology that Bitcoin uses. Also, blockchain is only one type of this technology. Uh, the technology is actually distributed ledger technology. Blockchain is one of the most popular ones that have still survived. It isn't the only one. It, it definitely does the best in terms of making it easy for people to understand what the technology is. So as, as the name states, basically blockchain is, if I can explain it in simple terms, a sequence of blocks grouped, grouping any kind of data really that are chained together and distributed among the users. Those three components are the most important things. The block of the data that we can code any kind of data. The fact that that data is then chained into uh, a network of blocks and why we do that is very important. But the most important thing to me as somebody who believes in the power of the crowd is the fact that it is distributed among users. It is not centralized. What this allows us to be able to do is, is create what is called an immutable record of transactions. Immutable might be a difficult word, more easy word for people to understand is a, a trustless record of transactions. So that means I don't need to worry about who I'm transacting with. Because the power of the community, the power of the crowd, where this chain of transactions is stored, is there to back up, back me up. We in blockchain, because of its structure, do not rely on any external authority to validate the authenticity of the transaction or the integrity of the blockchain. That is very fundamental on every problem that blockchain, for example, promises to solve. The key, thing, the key thing that it's really looking to solve is getting rid of centralization. Decentralized finance, the application of blockchain in the finance industry, we code everything and we build a technology that allows us to be able to take the power of the network to validate the transactions. And it can basically work without a centralized body. Faster, uh, more reliable, uh, more access, and to me, again, when I always look at the human potential, it allows us to be able to bring into the fold so many more people right now that are unbanked. That's really only one example of what's possible with blockchain. If we improve the ability for people to be able to validate transactions, reach out to more people, create a more inclusive environment, remove the dependency of the product to who owns it, what happens is now we enable the other people who are trying to enter this market with truly novel ideas, novel creations, the ability to participate. I love how we come full circle back to the impact of technology on people's lives. It's great to have gathered both of your perspectives. Thank you so much for taking the time, guys. Thanks for having us. The pleasure is mine. This was Real Raw, a Here's Good News production. I'm your host, Tarek Azmi. Thank you for listening.